people can't separate the words they are hearing from what they're seeing from you. So we're always going to evaluate the words that we're hearing with what we're seeing and picking up and feeling from people. And that's what body language and nonverbals are. It's the marrying and matching of those two. What's up, everyone? Welcome to a special edition of the Daily Discipline Podcast. This is the Super Skills Series. In this series, BK talks us through 20 skills we can all use every day to improve our lives and our impact on the things we care about. He helps you break down each skill through the lens of self-awareness, self-discipline, and self-confidence. By the end of this series, you'll be able to turn these 20 simple skills into super skills that unlock a stronger you, a more productive you, and a more fulfilled you. In today's episode, we're talking about nonverbals and the phrase we've all heard before, it wasn't what you said, it was how you said it. Reminder to stick around through the end of the episode so you can hear how to get your hands on free E plus R equals O resources for activating these skills in your life. Here's the easiest way to, to think about what is a nonverbal, okay? What's a nonverbal? A nonverbal is anything other than your choice of words. It's anything other than your choice of words, meaning how your body is positioned, where you're standing, the look on your face, your, obviously your expression, uh, you know, where your hands are, the clothes you wear, the jewelry you wear, right, how you move, all of these things are nonverbals, right? The, the makeup that you wear, uh, um, you know, the shoes on your feet, all of these things are nonverbal. Why? Because all of them are signals. There's a reason that when you go to a bank that uh, you'll never walk into a bank and see bankers wearing basketball shorts and t-shirts with ball caps and sneakers. You're not going to find that inside of a bank. Because from a, and why? Does that mean that somebody wearing that is less smart? Does that mean they're less trustworthy? Does that mean they're less professional? They wear those things in their normal life, but they don't wear them in a bank. Why? Well, because from a banker's view, what does it signal potentially if you walk into a bank and you're going to trust somebody with your money? They put that suit and tie on because why? They're making a calculation that is going to signal a level of credibility, competence, trust, and reliability that matters for customer service, winning clients, and making decisions. So there's, there's signals, right? It's, so it's not just what, they, what, they're, what they're doing. It's also the clothes that they're wearing, right? One of the biggest challenges in communication is that we judge ourselves by our intentions and word choice, and other people judge us by the experience of what it's like to look at us and feel the communication that we delivered across, okay? Say that one more time so we follow. We judge ourselves by the intent we have inside and by our word choice. Other people don't have access to that intent and they overlook our words when it's compared against what it was like to hear and feel the experience of communication from you. And I'll give you an example, okay? We've all heard this, ready? It wasn't what you said, say it with me, it was how you said it. Number two, 
don't look at me like that. Or did you see that look they gave me? And then the third one is something like she was obviously super nervous. Right? She was obviously upset. Well, she was obviously glad to see that that happened to me. She was obviously taking pleasure in seeing that happen to me. What are all of these? All of these are moments where there's something going on that is either someone is talking and or you're talking and they said it wasn't what you said, it was how you said it. And what I find fascinating about this is, and I'll, and I'll tell you, watch how this works. When I say we judge ourselves by intention and word choice, other people judge us by the experience of what it's like to be communicated with. We do the same thing to other people. So let's look at two different scenarios. Whenever somebody has said to you, it wasn't what you said, it was how you said it, how did that make you feel? When we're communicating to somebody and then they say something like, it wasn't what you said, it was how you said it, we want them and we expect them to ignore how we said it and just take the words and just view the words without anything else going on. Don't read any of the other stuff. And it's impossible for people to do. This is the difference between how we expect others to communicate to us and then the expectations we put back on them when we communicate. And this is why we judge differently. Whenever we're watching somebody else and they're communicating to us, we are looking at their facial expression. We're looking at their tone. We're reading for what do they really mean here. We're listening to the intent. We're looking to see, do they really care? Are they watching? Do they get me? We're assessing and evaluating and judging all these things. And we're not viewing them and listening to them through the clinical lens of only their words while ignoring everything else. You literally never do that, ever. But when you communicate to other people, you will expect them and at times ask them to ignore everything about how you come across and just clinically listen to your words. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a weirdo. It doesn't make you anything other than a person. This is what we tend to do. Others, we, we, we judge others by the experience. We judge ourselves by the words. And I'm trying to heighten self-awareness here. The point is this. Of course you're going to evaluate what they look like, how they're positioned, did they hold the eye contact, do they really mean this? Because that's what we do. You need to ramp up your awareness and ramp up your appreciation for the fact that when you're communicating, everyone else is also reading your eyes, your tone, your facial expression, and they are trying to make determinations of, are you really paying attention or are you faking it? Do you care about me? Do you understand me? Do you really mean this? Are you hiding something? What do you really mean here? Because they're asking themselves again. Are you going to follow through on this? Can I trust you? They're, they're constantly evaluating all of these things. That's what they're reading. And if the signals you're sending through your tone, your look, your feel, the energy that you have, if the signals you're sending don't align with the words that you're saying, or there's a gap, or there's the potential for misinterpretation in it, guess which one of those two things people are going to attach to? The clinical, plain words you said, or the emotional, 
feeling, experience, and expression of how you came across. Guess which one is going to sit in the core understanding of how that person perceives and judges you. It ain't going to be the cold core clinical words you chose. It's going to be the experience of how you came across. 10 out of 10 times. So you have no choice but to get good at these nonverbals and learn how to do this well. Because if you're not, you are going to send messages and signals and give people experiences that are not what you intend or, or they are going to be exactly what you intend and you're going to be using your words to try to cover it up and people will see right through you to what really is going on inside you because it's going to come out, again, in your expression, in your tone, in your speech, in your feel and energy. So you don't have a choice but to get good at this if you want to be somebody that is a great communicator and gets things across and minimizes the, the, the disruptions and the disconnections between people. And it's imperfect, but this is what we have to do. It wasn't what you said, it was how you said it. Don't look at me like that. She was obviously super nervous. Well, what's the commonality between all of these? In all of these, we are, in, in all these scenarios, we're observing the external to try to interpret the internal. And this is what we do. We observe the external in someone to try to interpret and pull meaning from what's going on in the internal. And this is something human beings do naturally. So, so what are we doing here? Okay. So it wasn't what you said. It was how you said it. Here, here's what that's saying. The words that you said were not as important and didn't carry as much meaning as the way in which you said those words. I am feeling the way you said those words at a much higher level and a more real way than the actual words that you said. That's what we're doing. Second one, don't look at me like that. Here's, here's what that means, essentially. I interpreted the way that you pointed your eyes at me as a thought that I thought you were thinking inside that you didn't say out loud that I could see come across with the way your eyes moved. Again, when I say it like that, it sounds kind of odd, but when you say, don't look at me like that, or did you see the way they looked at me? That's what we're saying. I interpreted the way your eyes moved for a thought and an intent and a motivation that you had and then projected something you might do because of the way that you looked at me. Spoken like that, it sounds kind of crazy, but that is a super normal thing. And then the last one, she was obviously super nervous. Her body, long, her body language, posture, eyes, her speech patterns looked unnatural and she looked uncomfortable like she wanted to get away. And I read that intent in her just by the, the positioning of her body and the way she spoke. It told me that she was probably uncomfortable. So in all of these scenarios, <clears throat> again, the tone, the look, the feel, the facial expression, we're observing this external to try to understand what's going on on the internal. So what is our skill? Okay, what's our skill? People can't separate the words they are hearing from what they're seeing from you. They can't separate those two. Okay, and it, and it really helps, and this is, this is an empathy skill, you, you can't separate, nobody can. Here's what I heard, and then here's what I saw, and I'm just gonna evaluate each of them independently as these separate functions that don't have a relationship between each other. Human beings can't do that. So we're always gonna evaluate 
the words that we're hearing with what we're seeing and picking up and feeling from people. And that's what body language and nonverbals are. It's the marrying and matching of those two. And the skill of it is learning how to read, observe, assess, appreciate, value, question, and then confirm what we're picking up in the nonverbals to match it with the verbal. And then on our side, it is to, it is to match and align our nonverbals and our verbals together to create what it is that we actually want, okay? So there's three things. How do you build self-awareness, self-control, and self-confidence in all three of these? How does an honest person sound? How does an honest person communicate across? How does an honest person look, feel? What does an honest person's energy feel like? The question then is self-awareness, self-control, self-confidence. What does an honest person look like, sound like, and feel like? That's a decision that you got to make. And that's also a skill you can develop. You can study that. You can train that. You can build that. So how you say it matters more than what you say. Self-awareness, how you say it matters more than what you say. Second piece, so know, your, uh, know yourself self-awareness is you have to pay attention to what you sound like and how you look and start making more of your day about that because that's what everybody else is looking at and feeling anyway. You ought to be paying attention to it. Second piece is nonverbals are an imperfect discipline. You, if you pay, if you try to have too much control over nonverbals, what's going to happen is, is you're going to act like a robot who uh, communicates nonverbals of, I'm trying to be hyper-controlled here. So there's an imperfection to this, and there's a humanity to this that you allow for yourself. Here's what self-control is. Align your nonverbals to display and enhance what you feel, right? That's what we're trying to do. Try to align your nonverbals to display and enhance what it is that you're feeling. That's what we want to do. So self-control is, is what's going on inside me? What am I trying to get across here? What, what, what's happening? And then am I using nonverbals to get that across to somebody else? That's what self-control is. Now that requires you to take responsibility for what you're thinking and what you're feeling. And then it requires you to take responsibility for the nonverbals and how you're making sure you get it across. So if you're internally feeling anger and you want to get that across, well then make a decision about how am I going to physically show them and communicate my anger. But if you're feeling anger and you're thinking, you know what, anger is not exactly what I want to be expressing to this person right now. And that's actually something that I need to distance myself from and I need to be in a more of appreciation spot, well then, how do you use nonverbals in tone, speech, look, feel, body posture to express appreciation and gratitude even though there might be a little touch of anger in there? That's what self-control is all about. It's not about hiding from an emotion. It's about knowing what it is that you're trying to get across and display. And then the last piece is self-confidence. It is believing in yourself. There's a couple of reliable rules, okay? If you feel it, your body's going to show it. One way or the other. This is inescapable, okay? Every feeling must be expressed physically somehow, no matter what. Now, some of these uh, expressions are going to be involuntary, okay? So if you feel it, it's going to get expressed, meaning if you feel nervous, it will come out. 
Now it might come out as foot tapping. It might come out as hand rubbing. It might come out as, and those are more, more borderline voluntary involuntary. It might come out as lack of eye contact or kind of like going inward like this, where you kind of, you shrink your presence, right? You're not as up, but it could come out fully involuntary. Body temperature goes up, palms sweat, heart raises, vision narrows. Maybe you get a little sick to your stomach. You're, you're like, you're, you say your, your, your stomach's in your throat. It can be involuntary. The point of this is, the point is this, whatever you feel on the inside, it will get expressed on the outside. And I share that because you need to know you don't have the ability to hide an emotion from physically expressing itself. Can't do it. You can't hide an emotion physically or energy-wise. It is impossible. Everything you feel will be expressed. Okay, if I'm, if I'm not communicating this strongly enough right now, I'm not sure how to do it. That's how it works. The question is, the question is, how do we express it? How do we get it across? And is the feeling really the one that we want? Is that the one that we need? And can it work the opposite way? Meaning this, you want to train, how do you recognize the emotion in the nonverbal meaning? One of the things about it I love about nonverbals is sometimes I won't really know that I'm feeling anxiousness or I won't have the awareness of it until I find myself doing something anxious. Right? I'll find myself tapping, right? My foot, if you I don't know if you can hear that, right? I'll be doing this. And I won't know that I'm kind of feeling anxious about getting going until like all of a sudden I'm realizing, oh shoot, my nonverbal was my indicator of my brain is trying to move ahead. And I'll like my nonverbal will be my first real self-awareness indication of that. So that's, this is where believing in myself and, 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 and having confidence comes back to say, okay, what I can do is I can have confidence that if I feel it inside, it's going to come out. But also this, if I can display it on the outside, I can actually send it backwards. I can use my nonverbals to trigger and create emotions I want to access. Okay. So here's the two ways to do this. You train yourself to recognize the emotion in your nonverbals, okay? Like what I was just describing. But you can do this right here. You can trigger more confidence by using confident nonverbals and then not double down on negative feelings by adding nervous nonverbals. So if you want to create more confidence, one of the ways you can do that is immediately start to speak more confidently hold yourself more confidently, sit, stand, make more confident eye contact, and the body is incredible. Once you start using confident nonverbals, the body starts to believe in those things, and it's tremendous. The second thing you can do is when you're feeling some of those eh, emotions that maybe you don't want, use your nonverbals to try to distance from those emotions and try to get something else going, right? Try to, if you're feeling nervous, um, rather than um, rather than add to your nervousness by keeping your hands in your pocket and doing this, do something that is is the opposite of nervousness, right? Do something, put a smile on your face. Start speaking in a happier tone. Start doing things that pull you away from that nervousness because you don't want to add negative n- nervous nonverbals on top of nervous internal emotions because that's going to pull you into a cycle. So you can trigger them and create them from scratch. And you can distance yourself from the, the, the uh, more negative type feelings internally, both with your nonverbals.
Hey, thanks for listening all the way through. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating and a review because your reviews help more people find this podcast who need it. As promised, we've got links in the show notes to resources that will help you activate these skills in your life. First up, we've got the Do the Worksheet, a free E plus R equals O resource that helps you apply what we talked about here to your life. Lastly, if you're interested in taking the application of these skills a step further, we have a downloadable guidebook with all 20 skills only for members of the Daily Discipline community. Developing these 20 skills into super skills help you become a stronger you, a more productive you, and a more fulfilled you. As always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.